Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. On the screen, that uh, is my brother Donnie and his family. And uh, the daughter in the middle, they just had a show choir concert, and so that's why her hair and her makeup are so different. Uh, she normally doesn't dress, and, and but anyway, uh, that, that's my brother in the back. He's a little bit younger than me. He's still in his 40s. And, uh, but, but Donnie had something happen to him recently. Uh, Donnie was... Uh, helping with his son, J.D., uh, who's in the picture there. Uh, J.D. is a pretty good hockey player. They live up uh, just outside of Indianapolis, just south of Indianapolis. And so uh, J.D. was playing hockey, and so Don would go, and he'd be around. And when their practice was all done, uh, what, what do you have to do after they use the rink? You have to have the Zamboni come along. And so when the Zamboni's coming along, you have to push the... the uh, uh, nets out of the way so the Zamboni doesn't get caught on them or mess them up or run them over. And, and so Donnie and another guy, they went out and they got the nets. And, and what you do is you, the Zamboni comes by and it does the back ring behind the net. And then as it's coming around again, the second time it's going to go where the net was. So you pull the net out of the way and it goes by and then you put it back in the spot. And then the Zamboni comes and goes just in front of the net. And uh, maybe it starts in front and goes to behind. But there's, there's three cycles in there where it gets around the net area. And, and so Donnie's job was to pull the net out of the way. And he was on the ice. He was wearing boots because he wasn't skating that night. And so he's, he's wearing his boots. He's on the ice. He moves the net. He moves it back. He steps away and he slams down on his head and shoulders on the ice. He said he had no idea what happened, but his feet were up in the air. And when he hit the ice, and boom. And then he tried to get up and felt like there was electric jolts going through his body. And, and he couldn't move. He was in a lot of pain. So he just laid back on the ice. Well, the guy moving the other net comes up and he says, Hey, did you fall? <laughs> Donnie said, Obviously. The guy said, Can you get up? And Donnie says, nope, I can't. And here comes the Zamboni driver. He says, get off the ice, get out of the way. And Donnie said, if it hadn't been in so much pain, it would have seemed like a comedy routine, you know, uh, thunk and yelling. And, but eventually he got off the ice and he got home. He was in a lot of pain. And he got his daughter, Abby, the one in the middle of the picture. Abby drove him to the hospital and uh, they had a doctor check it out. They did an MRI and they found out he just had a pretty severe concussion, which that's bad enough, but thankfully that's all it was. And, but in the MRI, they also noticed a shadow in his, in his thyroid. And so uh, he had to go back and they did a biopsy of that and it was cancer. And then he had to have surgery to have his thyroid removed and he sent me a picture of his cool scar. Uh, so... Um, that's the scar. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know why guys think it's cool to have a scar across their neck, but anyway, he does. Uh, so he's, he, he got that done. Now, normally, um, 
a concussion is a, a serious thing. A concussion of that magnitude is a, a serious health problem. But uh, the oncologist told him that if Donnie had waited even a few months for them to find that cancer, it would have been to spread all over his body because on both sides of his lymph nodes, he had things growing and they were just just ready to burst and they caught it just in time. So that severe concussion that could have caused uh, serious damage, Donnie's concussion saved his life. And so this morning we're in James chapter one thinking about the difficulties of life are blessings in disguise like the song that the Sundust girls just sang, blessings in disguise. We, uh, we, I, I love living in the desert. I don't like rain. You know, Kathy, when it rains, she's like, oh, it's such a refreshing rain. I, I live in the desert on purpose to avoid the rain, you know. But, but sometimes you need the rain to have life. Without the rain, food crops die, dry up and everything. So we need the difficulties. And so uh, we're in James chapter 1. I'll be reading there in just a moment. In fact, we'll, we'll just read there right now. James chapter 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wis lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right, let's go back. In the, the beginning of this, he says it's James. Now, when you write a letter, the first name on there is the person you're writing to, and you end with your name at the back. And if you ever get a, a multiple page letter and the address, the outside of the envelope just has an address, you will probably look to the end of the letter to see who sent this. Well, uh, they, their letters were often on scrolls rolled up and sent that way. They'd tie it that way. And, and so they'd put it at the very beginning so you knew who it was coming from. And then they also put who it's going to. So the person this letter was from, his name was James. We know from history that the James who wrote this was not James the Apostle, but James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. James was one of the four brothers of Jesus mentioned in Scripture. And another brother, Judas, who changed the way he said his name and went by Jude after Judas Iscariot did his thing. So Jude wanted to be separate from him. So James and Jude, the half-brothers of Christ, wrote letters to the churches. Now, James was the son of Mary and Joseph. So he was not, Jesus was the son of Mary and God. Jesus was not the son of a human man. It was a miraculous conception. And Jesus was born and Jesus uh, lived, but he was Mary's son. Now, when Jesus, up until the point that Jesus died on the cross, how did you feel about Jesus? him. In fact, we find his brothers mocking him in Scripture when Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem, and they mock him and make fun of him. 
But after the resurrection, James became a believer. He trusted Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting to me that James didn't brag about his family connection. He doesn't say, this is James, you know, the brother of Jesus. Dude, I grew up with him. Let me tell you about Jesus. No, he doesn't do that. He calls himself a servant, a slave, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He recognizes Jesus for who he is. The Lord, Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus, the Savior, Christ, the Messiah of Israel, the Christ of the Gentiles. Now, if your brother or sister became POTUS, President of the United States, and you had to talk to your sibling, it'd be awkward to say Mr. President or Ms. President to your sibling, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? It'd just be a little awkward. James had no trouble with it because he knew exactly who Jesus was. Jesus is God the Son. James finally understood it. And so he called himself a servant in the Greek, doulos, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible does say you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a bond slave of Jesus Christ. You are supposed to live in a way that pleases him and submit yourself to him. Now, what's, who is he writing to? James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing this letter to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Now, is he writing this only to Jewish believers? I don't think so. I think he was just using that phrase as a poetic description. So what happened in Israel, if you're reading in the book of Acts and you come across uh, the death of Stephen, that Stephen was a martyr. And uh, Saul was consenting to his death, and then Saul started, Saul of Tarsus started breathing out threats on them, and the Jewish people scattered. And what they did is they went everywhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's called the diaspora, the, the separation of the people, where a group uh, leave their, their land of their birth, their hometown, their indigenous place, and they go to another place. Uh, and that's, uh, that's the most significant one in history was the scattering of the Jews when they left uh, Israel under persecution and, and uh, the scattering of the Jewish believers under that persecution. So uh, they left and they went all over the place. And so when James is writing this letter, he's writing this to believers who are all over the place. Uh, we read in history, some of it in scripture, some of it not, uh, that someone as far away as Spain and someone as far away as India and all the region between Spain and India to the north and to the south, uh, there were believers out there. There were churches started in Ethiopia and Kenya and and India, and Indochina, and churches started in Spain, and France, and, and all over the place, because the believers scattered to flee from the persecution in Rome, uh, by, by Rome that, that dominated the area. So, in that process of fleeing, James is now writing a letter to them, and he wants to encourage them, because they're not where they wanted to be, 
They're not facing what they wanted to face. You've never had to do that, have you? Life doesn't work out the way we planned. And in some cases, you praise the Lord for that. And in other cases, you grieve over that. Doesn't work out the way that we planned. But there's four specific benefits from the difficulties in your life. Four of them that we're going to look at and think about this morning that James introduces to us. The first is that difficulties produce growth that would not happen without them. Difficulties produce growth that would not happen without them. Now, we live south of Walmart a couple of blocks, and and you get one block past our house and there's an empty field. Uh, You go uh, about 10 houses past our house and there's an empty field. You go three blocks north of us and there's an empty field. And uh, why? Well, what do they do in that field? When they want to plant something, what do they do? They just drive along throwing seed out there? Now, in the old days, you know, they had to stand on a plow behind a cow or an, a donkey and try and weight it down. And you wanted farmers to be heavy guys so they could weigh that down to dig into the ground and not just skip along the top. And nowadays, they have big tractors and, and they have spinning blades. That The blades are this big. And they dig that ground up and they churn it. And then they... That some of them, I've watched in some of the plows, and, and they churn that ground up, and then they have the back end of it is forming it into rows. And so it's churning and forming into rows, and then they plant into that, and then they irrigate where the little valleys are between the rows. I remember as a kid, I got car sick quite frequently, and we were driving, you know, in the old days. How many of you did road trips before the interstate? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah, we're on a road trip before the interstate, at least the interstate out west. And so we're driving along and I'm feeling queasy and mom says, look out the window. So I look out the window and and out the window about 20 feet from our window is a farm field. And we're going past the field. And what happens? You you just see the stuff going whoop, 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 whoop. All rows that I got even dizzier and the end result is not pleasant. But but they, they dig that up. They break up that ground. It's called fallow ground, and it needs broken up so that the seed can take root and grow. And we experience that in our own lives. Look in verses, uh, (coughs) excuse me, two and three and four again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing your faith of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So it's going to take work. Have any of you ever done strength training? Do you know what strength training is? Strength training is is working with weights. It doesn't have to be barbells or dumbbells. In fact, the guys who work out too much, they are dumbbells, aren't they? But anyway, uh, it's doesn't have to be a barbell or a dumbbell. People use paint cans and they use all kinds of things for, for weight, uh, sandbags. And, and so what, what you're doing is you're working with that weight. And as you strain the muscle here, as you're picking something up and, 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 and you're lifting that up and this muscle's being strained, what happens is you have micro tears in the muscle fibers. Now, if you do it too much, 
you have a big tear in the muscle, and that's a big problem, sometimes needing surgery. But if you do it the right amount, you get micro tears in there, and then what happens? God has designed our bodies miraculously to heal. And so after you have those little micro tears, the muscle then grows back stronger. Stronger than you were before, right? It, it grows back stronger and, and by, by doing those micro tears. So what you're supposed to do if you're doing weight training is work out one day, rest those muscles the next day, work out again, rest them the next, and not to work out the muscles more than three times a week. So, it, you know, if you're really into fitness and, and strength training, you can do your arms and abs one day and then your legs the next and then back and forth and, and do it that way if, if you're really into it. But if you don't do that strength training, your muscles don't grow stronger. And when they don't grow stronger, what do they grow? Weaker. So that, and, and then he's saying, if you're doing this strength training with these difficulties in your life, you're going to grow back stronger. In verse 3, he says, you're going to, the testing of your faith produces patience. Just like the guy working out those muscles is going to produce some strength in his arms because he's doing the process. So you in your life, spiritually and emotionally, will develop patience and endurance, perseverance, steadfastness. This is like an athlete working out. I, I remember when uh, I was an upperclassman and the, the freshman class would come in and, and they'd start to work out with us and they would just be in shock at how far and fast we could run and keep it up and go. And they, they ju just were dying on the side of the track and, and were out in the desert when we were running the hills. And, and then the, after a couple years, they'd get better at it and they could keep up. And now they were the leaders leading the younger people. Musicians, they either practice regularly or they lose ground. Uh, artists, doctors practice. You know, before a surgeon gets a surgery, he practices on simulations and then on animals and then on mild cases with people while somebody's supervising and then on serious ones, they eventually work up to it. Cops, people in the military, doctors, firefighters, EMTs go through training continuously. I served as a chaplain with DPS and, and I was amazed how many times they had to go through training for the same stuff like putting handcuffs on a suspect. And they had to go through training. They always wanted me to be the guinea pig, but I never would because I knew they'd body slam me. Uh, but, but, you know, put handcuffs on, and they had to retrain. Why? Because that's actually one of the more dangerous things cops do is putting handcuffs on a suspect. Because by that point, you haven't searched to see if there's any hidden weapons. You're trying to get them under control, and then you search for the weapons. And so they're constantly going through that training. And God says the difficulties he allows in your life is your ongoing training toward spiritual maturity, toward the patience, toward the endurance, toward the capacity, in the same way that if, if you go to physical therapy, how many of you have enjoyed the blessing of physical therapy? All right, now, how many of you have experienced it? Did more hands go up? No. <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? 
It really hurts, depending on the type of physical, physical therapy. But there's a blessing and a benefit from it. In fact, I told my physical therapist, I said, I bet you had to go to school to learn how to hurt somebody this bad, didn't you? He said, I did, and I was an honor student. <laughs> he, was, he was good, but it hurt. So the difficulties God allows, the trials, the testings, the difficulties, the, the struggles of life will make you stronger if you will follow the Lord in the process. All right, the second specific benefit of the difficulties is that difficulties drive you to prayer, seeking help that can only come from God. I believe it was uh, President Abraham Lincoln who said there were many times he was driven to his knees because he had nowhere else to go. And that's what difficulties do. They drive you to your knees. And if you look back in your life, I think you will see what Kathy and I see in our own lives is that your most intense and deepest times of prayer come during difficulties or right after a great difficulty in your life. You know, let's just say you're driving your car out there. So Larry and Sue pull out of the, get out in the parking lot and they pull out here and which way do you turn, right or left? You turn right to head home, right? Okay, they're going to pull out here and turn right and, and they're cruising down the road. Have you ever seen an accident along Cottonwood? You know, let's just say they almost get in an accident. You know, it's close. And what do you think their response would be? First, oh! And secondly, praise the Lord. We're okay. Now, right before the almost accident, do you think they're driving down the road with the full awareness of God with them in the car? Well, of course, Sue is. Larry, not sure. No, no, we don't know. You know, sometimes you get distracted by life, right? You're not always aware of the fullness of the Lord in your life. But when you almost get in an accident, you're suddenly aware of God in your life. And maybe you picture angels out there like pushing your car away from that other car to just keep it from smacking. And we're aware of God's blessing in our lives, but we're not always aware of it. When you've had a health difficulty and you have not been able to eat and, and you've been you know, they've been putting food into you through tubes and stuff and you finally get to eat something, what do they give you? Jello, Jello or sherbet. Yeah. How many of you sit down at the table and if Jello's included, you sit there and go, yeah, Jello. All right. I know Troy and Tucker do, but I don't know about anybody else. Uh, Jello. Yeah. Good stuff. But when you haven't been able to chew anything for a while and you can finally get a little, you're excited. And I, I remember being thrilled that I could make it all the way around my cul-de-sac after my knee replacement, all by myself. Uh, and, and I could walk all the way around the cul-de-sac, and I was worn out, which is a walk not a whole lot longer than going around this auditorium, but I was worn out afterward. But it felt so good to be up and walking. And the difficulties of life put you in a position of prayer and dependence on the Lord. And you rejoice in your blessings just a little bit more. 
and you grieve and, and you don't grieve alone in your losses, you know he is with you. So it's a blessing that we have a relationship with God and that that relationship, God invites us into sacred moments with him. There's multiple times in scripture where he says, call to me, come to me, open wide your mouth. Multiple times in scripture, God is calling out to us. He invites us into that special relationship with him. Have you thought about it? God is waiting to hear your prayer. Is he disappointed? Or is he going to hear your prayer? He joins with us in the difficulties of life. Let's say even, I hope it doesn't happen, but if Larry too even actually did get in an accident, they know they're not alone. They've each trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They know the Lord is with them. The Holy Spirit is inside them. God the Father is watching over them. They're going to be okay. All right, here's a third thing. By working through the difficulties, you gain wisdom to better handle other problems in your future. By working through the difficulties, you gain wisdom to better handle other problems in your future. I don't know for certain, but this picture, it looks like one girl against two boys. How many of you think the girl's going to win, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, and, and they're going to have some. But look at verse 5. He says, if you lack wisdom, what do you do? Ask God. And what does God do? He gives it liberally. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't say, oh, okay, you're asking for a whole bunch of wisdom. Here, I'll give you a drop. You know, like some medicines, you take one little drop. No, he, he gives you a shower of blessing, of wisdom. He, he gives it to you. But it, he has some conditions here. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Ask in faith, believing. And then he says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Have you seen the waves get whipped around by the wind? Um, Brian, could you shut that door for me? There's a lot of glare popping in there. It's getting on my glass and making it hard to read. So ask in faith with no doubting, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. You need to trust God in the difficulties of life. The flashes of insight that you get come from experiences and learning that you have accumulated in the difficulties of life. I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to a doctor. They wanted me to go take away a medicine and start with a herbal supplement. And, and they said, do you know anybody who could give you guidance? So I called this wolf. And I said, hey, I got to stop taking this medicine or something else. And she said, oh, yeah. And she gave me this thing to go to this health food store and buy it. And, and uh, why? How did she know that? She just absorbed it, right? She'd never studied, never looked, never read. No, you have difficulties, so you look into it. Uh, quite often, uh, a person who becomes a dentist, they, they have, were helped by a dentist. They become a physical therapist because they had someone help them with physical therapy. And often, 
A person becomes a psychologist because the psychologist really helped them through difficulties of their life. And, and we benefit from the learning process that we go through in life. The good, the bad, and the ugly, it all helps. God mixes it all together for good in our lives. So the more you hike, the easier it becomes to go up and down the hills of life. Paul said in Romans 8.18, For I consider or I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. The, the difficulties now and the benefits later. It's like the, the Olympic athlete who is in training every day. They don't wake up every day thinking, I get to go work out today. Some days they wake up, oh, oh well, I'll get at it. And they practice and they train because they're looking for that day. They want to be the one standing on the medal station receiving the gold medal or at least a silver or a bronze. The worst finish in Olympics is fourth place. It's like, good job. And that's it. And, and what I really feel sorry for, the one who got fourth place, and, and, and then the first place or second place got disqualified for drug use, doping, or whatever. And, and so they, they eventually get the medal, but it's mailed to them about two months late. You know, and they miss the ceremony and all of that. The flashes of insight that we have, the ability to face problems, the learning process, it comes from the skills we've had before. A person who's really good in IT gets really good in IT because they face lots of IT problems and they learn how to handle the problem. And that's true in every part of life. The mechanic who's really good at working on engines learns by dealing with lots of engine problems. How many engines do you think you worked on over the years, Jim? Thousands, right? Yeah, no clue. Uh, he, he just recently retired, but he worked on a lot of engines for the military, uh, keeping their, their equipment up and running and going. So by working through the difficulty, you gain wisdom to better handle future problems, other problems in your life. Whatever the issue is, the trial you're facing now will help you later if you learn from it. It's like people have often said that experience is the best teacher, but that's not really true. It's evaluated experience is the best teacher. You evaluate it, you think about it, you analyze it, you learn as you go. All right, here's the fourth one. Difficulties help you see the big picture of your life. I don't know for certain, but this sure looks like uh, mom and her daughter and her mother, right? Adult lady with her daughter and her mother. So there's three generations in this picture. I don't know if that's exactly what it is. But, but look in, in verse 4. He says, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So when you're going through that difficulty, it seems like a big problem. But you're going to get beyond it. One of the dangers in our culture is that, like especially teenagers, they don't realize there's life beyond their problems. And so there are teenagers who commit suicide. When, if they just hung in there a little bit, they'd have been out of that problem 
situation. They'd have been away from that. They'd have been in better circumstances. Just, just a survey here. How many of you have gone through really difficult circumstances and within a year or two, you were doing a lot better? Raise your hand. Yeah. So it happens. We go through. Like the psalmist said, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. We go through. So keep on trucking, right? Now, Donnie's concussion did cause serious pain. He, he said he felt like he had electric charges uh, going all over his torso, down his arms and legs, and, and he was just like a laying on the ice. And for a while, he was knocked out. And so he really was out cold. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but because of the cancer, he had no cancer symptoms. None. But he had serious cancer. But they caught it as a secondary byproduct of checking out the problem. And so Don was annoyed that he had to go to the hospital, that he had to see a doctor. How many of you men think it's really cool to go see a doctor? Raise your hand. Really? Ed, you didn't raise your hand? I mean, you are a doctor, but you still don't like to go see a doctor. <laughs> I can sympathize. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not fun. But Donnie went, he was kind of begrudging, and, and his wife was at work, and they talked on the phone, and so his daughter drove him to the hospital, and he's in there. Why are you here? Well, I fell on the ice, you know. And they, Well, we're going to do this MRI. How many of you really think MRIs are fun? Okay. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Rick raised his hand. <laughs> it's difficult. The problems of life, Donnie had this big problem, but within a very short period of time, he was rejoicing. He, he contacted the siblings and said, hey, great news, I have cancer. We're like, what? That's not great news. And he said, Here's how I found out about it. We're like, that is so cool that God used this little thing to create a situation where they found this big thing. And you know, that's going on in our lives all the time. When we get to heaven, we may be stunned to find out all the little things that God used in our life and the circumstances. And Donnie told me he is very... I talked to him on the phone this week to get his permission to use this story and to show the picture. And, and, and uh, he, he was thrilled that he had a big concussion, that it was bad enough they had to do the MRI so they could find the cancer. He was happy for that. And difficulties change your perspective. They sometimes change your direction. They, they help focus on your blessings. I have known a lot of people who had their house burned down. Well, okay, I've known half a dozen families who had their house burned down. I guess that's not a lot, but it seems like a lot. Every one of them was rejoicing they did not lose a family member in the fire. And they're hugging after the fire saying, the most important thing is we're all still here. Yeah, there's a loss, but you also recognize your blessing because it could have been so much worse. And what James said in the beginning of this, my brethren, in verse 2, count it 
all joy. And you can learn to count it all joy when you face the difficulties of life. Because what God is doing, the difficulties are going to create spiritual and emotional strength. You're going to draw closer to the Lord. You're going to better be able to handle the issues of life. And they're going to help you develop muscle memory spiritual muscle memory, so that your spiritual muscles know what to do when you face this problem. The difficulties of life are blessings in disguise. They reveal the true you. Now, sometimes that revelation is unpleasant, right? You had a little problem, you responded hugely. Kathy and I used the numbering system like they use on on earthquakes, right? And a a big, massive, huge earthquake is an eight. And um, at a 10, whole cities disappear. But at an eight, it's this massive, huge earthquake. And and I had a temper issue. (laughs) I use that word had a little loosely. And, And so I would struggle sometimes and I would overreact to little problems of life. And so Kathy started telling me, you know, the Richter scale, she'd say, Terry, this is a two. You're responding like it's an eight. Now, I did ask her to help me with that, and there were times she didn't want to because I was responding like it was a 9.5 and she didn't want to be in the room, but she would touch me and say, this is an eight. The touch was kind of like down boy, you know. And, and you know what? It really helped. And if we let the little difficulties of life drive us nuts, we're not going to build the spiritual and emotional strength we need for the big issues of life later on. It's like the athlete who cheats on his practice or the musician who doesn't rehearse and practice. Uh, it, it shows. And you need to spiritually build into it. Uh, your difficulties give you opportunities to change and grow spiritually and emotionally. So we can have joy because of the difficulties. When we look at the other side, all right, I'm facing this difficulty, but, but here's what I know. Whatever difficulty you're going to face this week, I don't know what it is, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm pretty sure you're going to have some. Might be a little one, might be a big one. Whatever that difficulty is, you can know that when you get beyond that difficulty over on this side of it, then God has done a work in your life. And you can look back and be thankful for that difficulty. In the same way the Apostle Paul said, I rejoice in my weakness. Because then God's work in me is strong. Because the difficulties of life drive us to the Lord. And He is faithful. And He will help you through. Heavenly Father, we thank difficulties you allow in our lives. We're not happy about all of them. But we're grateful that you go with us through the difficulties. We pray like James that we can learn to count it joy when we have some difficulties in our lives that we can look and evaluate and try and learn from it and try and grow. And we thank you that no matter what happens in our life, you are doing something good through the process 
of dealing with that issue in our life. Father, if there are people here today who have never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray they would not leave this place without talking to someone. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified by the way we handle the troubles you allow in our life this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.